Welcome to Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, their passion, and pursuit toward happiness. I'm your host, Bev Matayoshi, and my hopes is to inspire all of you out there, you know, with these amazing people that I invite on the show to share their stories that drives them, the catalyst that creates their passion, and how it impacted not only themselves, but the people around them, because that's what life is about. Life is about impacting the world in a positive way and making the world a better place. And you can't do that without passion. Today's guest, I'm super excited. I'm so privileged to share with you him because he just really inspired me so much. He's a dentist. I had the privilege of seeing him speak at Hinman, which is one of the biggest dental conventions um, pre-pandemic in Atlanta. And I was so impressed with his dynamic energy and passion, which is what makes him such an amazing teacher. He's a highly professional person who is involved with so much, it just blows my mind. He is a member of the American College of Sports Medicine, yeah. he, an NSCA certified personal trainer and a certified yeah. yoga instructor on top of that, an author of a book called Miracle of Health. And he also traveled the world and spoke on 400 TV and radio interviews and 500 lectures in about integrative wellness in seven different countries. I mean, oh my gosh, I cannot believe he has time to speak on my podcast. So I'm so grateful for that. But with that being said, please give a warm welcome to Dr. Uchi Oriatu, DMD. Woo! Yeah. Hey, always a pleasure sharing my interests and my insights with the world. So thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. No problem. I, I really appreciate you coming on here. And let me kind of just tell the audience about how um, I heard about you. My boss, uh, who is a dentist, he had the privilege of hearing you speak. And he was so fired up after that lecture. He came to work and was just like, you guys got to see this guy speak. And, you know, when the Hinman, you know, catalog came out with all the classes, he literally highlighted it and was like, you got to take this class and this class. So all the hygienists at our office literally signed up for all your classes. And we were kind of like Dr. Uchi groupies. That wow. <laughs> so that's how we found out about you. And I was so grateful because I just gained so much value watching you speak and just see you captivate the audience and everybody is just so engaged and so full of energy so i really appreciate that you're you're you really have a talent at you know really teaching teaching everybody so very very cool to watch thank you thank you very much it's it's been something you know storytelling has been part of human history for like you know thousands of years and i think anytime if you have a, a message um getting good at stories that engage and get people to create a shift in there, how they see something is what it's all about. Like you can't teach someone a thousand things in a day or a hundred things in a day, uh, but you can actually create a shift in perception. My big thing is, uh, can, an audience, can an audience member suspend their disbelief momentarily for my certainty about an area? And then I have an inlet, that, that's, 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 the, that's, the, that's the tool. Ah. So before we actually get more into, you know, learning about you, I, I kind of just want to get a background. So can you tell the audience a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up and a little bit about your family? Sure. I was, I was born in England. Um, my mom was passionate about nutrition. My dad about school and nutrition and exercise. My mom would always say, you know, eat your cod, drink your cod liver oil. It's good for your brain. And that stuck with me, you know, age six, age seven. A lot of parents tell people what to do. But you add a why, and I realize that it's more convincing. And uh, my dad was all about work, school, and, but also after a certain amount of time doing homework, it was get outside. You know, he was all about that Greek philosophy, you know, a sound mind 
in a sound body. And around age eight, um, he took all four kids and my mom to Canada. He thought he heard Pierre Trudeau at the time, he was the prime minister of Canada. And he heard Pierre Trudeau going around the Commonwealth saying how great Canada was. And um, he championed uh, Canada and um, grew up in Canada, went to, uh, my dad was a carpenter, but, so humble beginnings, but he wanted all four kids to go to school and university. So all four of us went to school. He was very persuasive. So see, the, the seed was planted early. So all four of us went to um, uh, university. We got uh, single degrees, multiple degrees. And I live in Toronto now. I've been a practicing dentist for over 25 years. I'm a certified trainer, a yoga teacher, boot camp instructor, even got licensed as a Zumba instructor one year just for something to do. And um, I've been speaking for 15 years, lecturing at conferences and writing articles. I got a book in the works. So all that being said, I think um, I'm a vehicle. I feel like I'm a vessel and it's not even about me. It's just, I've tapped into something and it's how to get people excited about their health again. Most people know health is important, but many of us need a reminder. And I think I am that reminder for many people. And I would say, I, I take myself lightly, you know, with a name like Uchi Oyatu, I would say being a practicing dentist, um, if, if you're a patient of mine and you're numb, just try and say that name when you're numb, you know, Achidogo, <laughs> Dr. Itchy, Dr. Ak. But uh, so I always mention that, I, you know, I, I take myself lightly, but I take my subject matter very seriously. Literally what people learn in an article or in a session or a keynote, it's a matter of life and death because, um, it's amazing when you shift how you look at exercise or shift how you look at patient protocols or shift how you look at hydration and even the gut microbiome. It completely changes your experience with that. And that's, it's quantum physics, but it's also philosophy and it's a way of looking at the world. So the world simply reflects back to us how we see ourselves. And that's why it's such a great mirror, you know, uh, a safe world, you're coming from a safe place. A dangerous world, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> so that being said, I've applied it all to health and wellness. I'm an integrative wellness coach and author. And that's my, that's who I am. That's my energy. That's, that's where I come from. That's so cool. I didn't know that you're in, living in Canada. That's, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> but um, I, I always ask all the dentists that I've interviewed, I think you're the third dentist I'm interviewing on this show so far, but I know a lot of dentists because I'm a dental hygienist. And um, I always ask them this question just because I, I'm just so fascinated with the answers that I get. So out of all the careers that you could have chosen, you know, and you know, you have a, a, a nice educational history, but why dentistry? Why did you, how did you land into that field? It's amazing, you know, it's a great question. I think there's like thousands of careers. I remember seeing a, a telephone book size career choices and it said 32,000 careers. So ultimately you can keep switching as your interests go, but you gotta see what your values are. You know, I'm a big believer in health. I'm a big believer in artistry. I love psychology. I, I have a bachelor of arts in psychology and a minor in chemistry. So I love the human mind. I love uh, personal development. Um, I, I draw, I played guitar. And at age 21, I was in the gym working out and a, uh, another student that was in dental school asked me what I was doing. And I said, well, I'm just fin finishing up my psychology degree. I'm not quite sure. I said, maybe the, 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 uh, you know, the biological sciences, maybe medicine, dentistry. He goes, you know what? He goes, if you're into lifestyle, dentistry is the way to go because at, at four or five, six o'clock, you can go home and you can come back the next day. There is no overnights. And I went, wow, lifestyle applied to career. And I applied and got in and uh, the rest is history. Haven't looked back. 
that that is such a systematic way of deciding what you're going to do. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't think about their career that way. You know, they just think, I don't know, they, they I have to go to school and, you know, I'm just going to take something and, but, the, you know, without really, really thinking about, okay, what happens when I graduate? What, you know, I, I love that you were so um, thoughtful about your lifestyle and how that's going to incorporate into your life because it's important to you. I, I wanted to ask you, like, because you're one of the most dynamic speakers, how how did you get into public speaking? Like you're so passionate about that and you're very good at it. So mm. how did that come into like dentistry and public speaking? I, I don't see the connection there. So how did that? Yeah, yeah good question. My mom is um, a great talker. She's got an Irish background. She, had, she called it, she always had the gift of the gab. She was hilarious, but she was extremely shy in public, you know? One-on-one, -on -one, she could hold a conversation, but in public, you know, like a deer in the headlights. My dad, very quiet, philosophical guy, deep thoughts, but again, not a very vocal guy. Um, so I can't really tell you where I got the passion for storytelling. I always know that I love when I told one of my friends a story and got them engaged. I loved the expression on someone's face, even in school, when I was sharing a story and everyone would lean in. And I started picking up ways to get people to lean in. And I saw that when you inject some of your enthusiasm in, people lean in more because you, you want to spend time with people who are passionate or excited about whatever they do. How was the weekend? Well, tell you the truth. Hey, you should have seen Friday night. And it was uphill from there, you know? So um, I did Toastmasters for a few months back, maybe 25 years ago. I enjoyed it, but it was a, more like a, a soliloquy. And I didn't want to just do soliloquies. I like a conversation with people's hearts. I, I find uh, that whole speaking voice is something where you can't just talk to people at a cerebral level because no one's ever changed or ignited or made a shift in how they look at things by looking at their mental view. I find you gotta, you gotta tie in some emotionality and get some gut feelings. I remember my mom, she would watch uh, Billy Graham. He was an evangelical uh, superstar. He had like 200,000, a million people in Brazil. He set a record for live in-person events in the 60s and 70s. I remember watching him one time, this is before, before I was even in dental school. I thought, wow, that guy, he has no pictures. All he would do is he, he would tell a story from the Bible. He would tell a, a similar theme from a movie. And he would tell a, a, the, uh, a story from public events, like a news story. And well, that's pretty interesting. He didn't just come at it one direction. So movie, newspaper, Bible. Movie, newspaper, Bible. And I thought, interesting way to get people to engage. You know, the, the person at the back was like hundreds of yards back in this sea of 500,000 people. But there's one person with one story with multiple angles, was able to create a shift in how people saw things. So I like that way of not everyone sees the world the same way. So to attack it by a news story, a religious story, a health story, um, uh, a public event, a historical story. Now you've actually, there's no one that's going to be left unscathed from a story if you apply multiple angles to reach them. Yeah, that's very true. I had a professor like that at school. Uh, he taught... Um, the Old Testament as literature. And, you know, it was a pretty huge Bible as a textbook, you know? And I just thought it was really engaging the way he taught because he did that. He would tell the Bible story and but incorporate, you know, other stories that are very similar from different cultures even, not just that one, you know, source. Very, very cool way of uh, engaging people, you're right. So that, that I just think that's a talent and, you know, if you can, you know, tell stories in a way that just really sparks people's attention that, I mean, that just really, um, 
that's that's a huge powerful way to impact people especially with what you do wow thank you can you tell us a little bit about your interviews that you've done all over the world how do you get these um interviews and where exactly have you traveled um i've, I've probably spoken in seven countries uh uh, Denmark, Norway, uh, uh, Jamaica, Bermuda, uh, USA, England, and um, I, I think you know people. People say they want to speak all over the world. They, they want to make an impact. But I think ultimately you got to be making an impact locally. I think people only like knock on your door to hear your opinion um, if you're powerfully committed to a certain message. I find um, once you find a message, and if you're uniquely uniquely poised to give it people will ask you about that message. I think many people talk about wanting to speak more, but they don't have an area of expertise. So it's not only having an area of expertise, it's a certain unique way of sharing it because there's limited amount of stories and limited amount of topics in the world. But unique though is the fingerprint of the human heart and my individual heart and mind behind that story. So if you have a unique way of sharing a story and it moves people emotionally, people will knock on your door and saying, please tell us more about integrating wellness. Please tell us more about how to lose weight. Please tell us more how to make the new patient exam more engaging. Please tell us more about the gut microbiome. So having a unique story and a, and a message, people will knock down the door to have you share it. Yes. And actually, when I saw you uh, speak at Hinman, that's one of the lectures that you talked about was the gut microbiome. And it was so uh, interesting. Can you share with the audience a little bit about about what you teach with that? Like, why is it so important to be aware of what you put in your gut? (laughs) Great. The microbiome is an invisible area. I think uh, most people worldwide say bacteria is bad. However, it is exceedingly wrong. And for hundreds of years, people to this day still think of people, uh, bacteria is bad. But the National Institute of Health um, finished the first phase of the Human Microbiome Project in 2012. And that first phase showed there's a whole world inside us. You know, there's 100 trillion single-celled organisms that literally outnumber human cells 10 to 1 in our bodies. But 99% of them are good flora. They're good bacteria. And they live in a symbiotic, harmonious relationship with us. If we feed them certain things, they give us back certain byproducts like anti-inflammatories. You know, the human body is like a pharmacy. We make our own chemicals and hormones and neurotransmitters, but you gotta feed your bacteria what they want. So I'll give you an example. So um, most diseases in the modern times are, have an inflammatory component. Diabetes, periodontitis, gingivitis, hepatitis, pancreatitis. Cancer has an inflammatory component. Um, our body, and in particular, our gut flora, the 100 trillion cells that call us home. Most of them live in the large intestine. There's only one food, there's only one type of food they want, nothing else, but no one talks about it. They talk about essential amino acids, essential fat, and carbs get a bad reputation. However, fiber is a carbohydrate. So anytime someone says I'm low carb, I think, oh, God bless your heart. I wonder how you're looking and feeling because your bacteria ferment carbs and they ferment the carbs in the large intestine. And when they ferment those carbs in large intestine, they make something called short chain fatty acids. So SCFAs are one of the most potent anti-inflammatory agents your body makes. The neat thing is though, so if you're eating a lot of fiber, um, about 25 grams for women, about 35 grams for men, your body now has the ability to douse the flames of inflammation, not just for the big things like cancer, but little things like little joint pain and inflammation that happens after you've eaten too much or you've scratched yourself. Um, Because our body is an incredible, miraculous machine. 
The sad thing is, um, what people don't do though, they starve their bodies of, of, of fiber. You know, throughout human history, we averaged about 100 grams a day back in prehistoric time. North America now, average person, a half of the amount of fiber the, the microbiome wants or the bacteria want. And to give an example, only 3%, like 3% of the population eats the recommended amount of fiber. So 97% of people are unable to make short chain fatty acids, unable to douse the flames. So lots of inflammatory diseases out of control these days. And to still to this day, they don't know. But I love sharing with someone that insight. I love in a written form, in this format, in a live format, how literally fiber is one of the cheapest things that you can eat, you know, and, but there's no lobby group for fiber. You know, there's no, there's no one outside the White House saying, you know, we want more fiber. We want more fiber. <laughs> but an apple is cheap. A pound of apples, $1.40. An avocado, you can get two for $3. But you give the body what it wants. And that's just one aspect of it. You give your bacteria what it wants. Um, they will give you everything you want. And it's not just nutritionists. Immunologists and microbiologists have declared that fiber is, is a primordial, foundational, keystone need for our bacteria. And without them, they flatline and they're unable to make what we need, which is anti-inflammatory components. Yeah. Uh, inflammatory problems. I mean, inflammatory problems, like it's just it's so widespread. If you're not eating the right things, you're not going to have those things that help your body. And it's just so important. And I just really appreciate you spreading the knowledge about this because um, I didn't know about probiotics. Like I didn't think that that was a normal thing to take every day until I heard you speak. So uh, very, very valuable information. Thank you. Thank you. I was thinking about like, you're a, one of the top practicing dentists traveling around the world. You know, like, how do you have time to do all of that and be a dentist too? That, mm -hmm. that just blows my mind. And I, I love watching you on, on Instagram, you know, all your pictures of you dressed in scrubs doing like pull-ups <laughs> in your office with all your staff members. That is so cool. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I, I'm still in the office, you know, three days a week. You know, I, I have four kids. Um, I, I travel. It seems like I, I'm always on the road, but I, I repost. I share things from different books I've read. Um, I, I love speaking. I, I might leave Thursday night, I'm back Friday morning. I like leave Friday morning, I'm back Saturday morning. So I'm quicker than you think. I also find traveling is almost like an athletic event. You gotta train for it. You gotta stay hydrated. I take probiotics on the road. I bring me soup on the road. I, I sleep with a sleep mask in hotel rooms. I exercise briefly in hotels, you know, 20, 30 minutes, no hour long mega session, just just to remind my body how it needs to move. I stretch on the plane. I love traveling. My mantra is I love traveling. So I have a lot of fun traveling stories. Just like Wayne Dyer said, a PhD author of um, about 40 books on psychology. He said, when you change the way you look at something, the things you experience change. So because I, my mantra is I love to travel. Traveling is a tool. I seem to have pretty good experiences traveling. You know, I don't attract a whole lot of bad ones or adverse ones. And even then, if I'm stuck somewhere, I'm meant to be there. I'm meant to stand by the night. Maybe I'm not supposed to get on that red eye. So I have almost like a guided feeling to my life. But at the same time though, people often think I, I spend a lot of time posting. I've read voraciously my whole life. I'd say hundreds of books in the last 25 years. I've been listening to audiobooks since third year dental school. So um, I have a ton of stuff in my brain. I, I read articles and being a certified trainer, I get all kinds of you know, peer reviewed articles from a, multiple different uh, neat organizations. But um, because I've, I've, it's become who I am, I post very quickly. I read an article, 
to make it my own, to drive it deep into my psyche, what I do is I read an article, I highlight three points. And those now three points, if I put them into a, uh, a post, now those three points become mine forever. And so it's quicker than you think. They'll think, how long does it take you to come up with a post? Hours? No, I said, I'll spontaneously do something about sitting on a plane too long. And um, it comes from a place of sharing. And so it might look like I spent a lot of time, which is good, though, because uh, then organizers want to pay me well. But I do it really quickly. And it seems effortlessly. But like I said, any person looks like they're a master was at the beginning of disaster. So <laughs> I've spent years honing some of these skills. And now it looks effortless. But it comes from a good place. Um, I want to share. And I want to let people know, though, if they see something inside me that inspires them, like if they see me as a really enthusiastic, energetic person, usually it means the person looking at me is also energetic. But I tell the audiences, if you see me as mildly a fast-talking, annoying person, guess what? You're annoying. <laughs> so <laughs> we see the world the way we are. And I find my mom, uh, God rest her soul, passed away at 92, you know, five years ago always talked about a brighter outlook and always talked about um, good things are right around the corner. Um, uh, make the best of it. And she said that enough times. It's become a personal, um, one of my mantras inside my brain, whenever I hear something going to happen, you know, something good's going to happen or wonder what's exciting is going to happen today. God bless her heart. My dad was the same way. So it's, it's been a really fun ride sharing this philosophy. Now it's the legacy that passed away now, but it's the legacy that I'm leaving. So can you share a little bit about your insights about sleep? I, I know that's important in that's like one of the things that I learned from you when I heard you lecture the, sure. the whole importance of getting good sleep and how you prepare for sleep every night to get good sleep. Sure. Sleep is an often forgotten thing in health. You'd be surprised how many people go to the doctor's office because of fatigue and being tired. 70% uh, of adults actually do, get less than seven hours a night, 70%. 30% get less than six hours. Uh, back 100 years ago, only 1% of North Americans slept less than six hours. Now it's a third. Um, from all, everything I've read about from neuroscience and sleep research, they said that sleep is foundational. It's not just a pillar, it's the bedrock of all health. Um, there's some articles and there's books, there's a really good book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, PhD out of Berkeley. He said, if uh, poor sleepers are poor healers. He said, nightly poor sleep is like a slow suicide because you're sabotaging the efforts of your body to heal. Every, every, all, all day long, it's a very catabolic world. We do things, we digest things, we eat things, we, we, we think things, we read things. At nighttime, the brain likes to sort it out. It wants to put it away. It wants to heal the cut. And if we shrink that time from eight hours down to four, now the body has left over debris from the day before and you drag it into another day. And now things rarely get put away. It's like if you go shopping and you keep putting those bags and uh, boxes on your bed and never put them away. The, the, the bedroom looks like a mess. Many people's minds look like a mess because they don't sort their, their debris out and the information out every night. The brain loves clarity and solving. So without the time and energy input, the brain has a lot of unfinished business. And no wonder we have brain fog and lack of clarity and people are basically living on coffee and energy drinks as fuel. Mm. Wow. I, I never thought about it that way. Like your body just cleaning out the debris. I mean, what kind of, how many hours do you recommend like people get to have enough time to do that? Oh, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Like I, back, I'd say in my twenties and thirties, I bragged how little sleep I needed. Um, and lucky for me, I've got good genetics and I was able to get by, but it wasn't until one day I was in the front uh, row of, of one of my mentors and he was speaking on sleep. And he said, if you're an athlete or if you're a, if you want to be a high performer, you're literally sabotaging your success by sleeping less than seven hours. 
I remember hearing Michael Howard, he's a neurophysiologist out of Boston. And he said, sleeping less than seven hours a night puts you at risk for seven serious diseases. So you don't have to call me dumb to be, I'm writing these notes down, down. This is kind of silly. I'm in the front row writing down notes of how important sleep is. And I was bragging to someone just recently how I got by on four. So the, the science says between seven and nine. Um, however, when you're young, the sleep efficiency is very high. So 10 and 20 year olds have a sleep efficiency of 90 to 95%, which means the time you spend in bed, you spend almost all of it sleeping. Some people say I went to bed at midnight, got up at seven. Well, if, if they're 70, a lot of times their sleep efficiency is 60%. So they only spent about four and a half to five hours sleeping. So technically night after night after night, nothing's ever being repaired. And that's part of the, the physiology of aging. Um, kids' bodies break down as much as 70 year olds' bodies, but they spend nine, 10, 11 hours a night repairing. So the 60, 70, 80 year old does not spend the time repairing. So things break down, skin is older, joints don't heal, muscles get loose, adipose tissue builds, hair falls out. So the body is an active construction project. It needs seven to nine hours a night as an adult um, to repair, regrow, regenerate, and build back again to be stronger the next day. Very interesting. Wow. I, and just, just putting it to that simple way is just very um, eye-opening. Wow. I better schedule sleep a little bit more sleep into my <laughs> life. Oh, my mm -hmm. goodness. But yeah, thank you so much for that explanation. Very, very um, interesting way to look at it. Um, can you tell us about like what kind of rituals you can do before bed that can help you get a more quality sleep? Okay, it's a great question. You know, some of the top performers, and you look at athletes. Athletes, a game is lost hundreds of a second. Olympic medals are lost with a hundredth of a second. So um, Usain Bolt, one of the fastest track stars in the world, 10 hours a night. Serena Williams, nine hours a night. Tom Brady, who we're going to see in the Super Bowl this spring, um, nine and a half hours a night. LeBron James said sleep is a secret weapon, 10 hours. Michael Phelps, 11 hours. So that being said, these are athletes all getting older, but performing as well as athletes 20 years younger. So um, their rituals are things like wearing a sleep mask. The brain, a huge part of the brain is to take in visual input. So anytime we get light coming into our eyes, the pineal gland makes less melatonin and we spend less time in deep sleep, up to 27% less each night by having a, 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 a room that's too dark. Orange glasses is like, if you, go, if you Google Harvard School of Public Health, blue light, orange glasses, you'll see the, the, the robust research on how the blue light from LED lights, laptops, um, or cell phones, basically what it does is it's like looking at the sun at 10 o'clock, even looking at your refrigerator, open up the refrigerator for a snack, the light goes, hello, it's noon. And now you go to bed at 11, you fall asleep quick because you're usually overtired from not getting enough sleep for the last few days. However, it's not a deep sleep because the pineal gland doesn't make melatonin. So um, throughout history, we're only supposed to have the light of a fire after sundown, the light of a fire. So orange light, red light are safe. Um, the orange glasses, a lot of athletes now are wearing them to get the edge. You think, Ooch, orange glasses, who needs that? I got coffee. Well, 27% less melatonin every night adds up. A night, no big deal. A year, a decade. And that's why they called shift work, potentially a carcinog carcinogen because your body never makes enough melatonin and melatonin is powerfully important to have a robust, strong immune system. So um, orange glasses in the evening time, hour, two hours before bedtime, a sleep mask when I go to bed. Never go to bed with a full stomach because a full meal means now the body has to digest that food over the seven to eight to nine hours. So um, a big meal, nothing close to three hours before bedtime. A snack means an apple, 
maybe some nuts, any alcohol eaten at dinner. Alcohol before bed sabotages your REM sleep where the body processes emotion and processes memory. So it is, you're actually getting my full day program <laughs> in a nutshell, but ultimately seven out of 10 people aren't living the life they want and wonder why they're not um, you know, checking off their goals list simply because they don't have enough gas in their tank and they sabotage it by sacrificing sleep every night. It's a sacrifice. Wow. That, that is just amazing to hear. Like, I mean, how many people are just, you know, doing this right before bed, you know, that is just like, you don't realize the damage that you're causing to your body and just your, your performance, you know, just mm -hmm. uh, how, how to even just do the basic thing, which is sleeping. So can you tell the audience now about this book that you're, you, you already published it, right? I saw it on Amazon. Yeah, The Miracle Health was something that came out about 13 years ago. I'm putting together a book now with an organization. It's meant for healthcare professionals. It's about oh, wellness. Okay. It's about wellness for busy people. Um, it's still in the works. It's still in the editing stage. Um, there's As much as I, I speak well, writing is a whole other skill set. So um, it's a challenge. I write articles, but a book is like to, to engage someone who, right now we get all information from video and audio. So to do a book now, I'm saying, Think back to when you were 12 and loved Harry Potter. So I'm competing with J.K. Rowling and, uh, <laughs> and uh, Stephen King, but I'm trying to wrap it up with um, anecdotal stories, um, insights, um, cutting edge science in a way to get people to shift how they look at their body. My big thing is um, we need our body more than our body needs us. You know, we need our body more than our body needs us. We can, as much as the mind is important, nothing happens without this vessel. So you get a certain amount of genetics, whether to be tall, lean, flat stomach, or wider, shorter. However, it's amazing how the nurture, the environment, what you do can epigenetically ramp up genes that can express lots of health for you. Or if you're a junk food eating, um, shift working, you don't enjoy your job, you don't dehydrate well, you don't exercise, you will now ramp up gene expression of conditions that don't serve you. So stacking the deck in your favor is going to bed on time. Stacking the deck of good health is moving regularly. Stacking the deck in your favor is having a salad a day. Stacking the deck in your favor is choosing your right livelihood, doing work that's meaningful and makes at the end of your day, you might be physically tired, but your heart is full. Those are my four pillars for leading quite an elegant life, if that's what the purpose is. Thank you so much for dropping those. I hope you guys were taking notes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Some really, really good information. But um, I can't wait to, you know, learn more about this book that you have in the making. And please, you know, can, can you drop like, you know, where people can find you so we can be updated on when this book comes out? Um, Instagram, I'm probably most uh, active on Instagram. I post, you know, two or three times a day. I have stories on there. My account, you look under my name, but obviously at you know, fit speakers, fit speakers is the name. That's the name I've chosen. Um, that's really the best place. I, people direct message me. And I love, as much as I'm giving people information, I feel like I'm tapping into the zeitgeist of their desire by direct messages. So I could think, oh, it's all about the microbiome. And they think, what probiotic do I take? It's all about sleep habits. Where do you buy a good orange set of glasses? <laughs> so, so I realize people get inspired, but they want practical, first, easy step. And I think you know, Confucius always, you know, Confucius, you know, thousands of years, thousands of years of philosophy, you know, Chinese philosophy. Um, he said, if the best time to have planted a tree was 30 years ago, the next best time is today. If the best time to have started doing push-ups was 30 years ago, the next best time is today. So I try and make that entry-level step easy because most people find it 
insurmountable. So um, fit speakers on Instagram is probably the best place to um, chat, interact, uh, learn what I do, uh, get motivated, or direct message me. I love I love sharing uh, from the heart with people that matter. That those are my colleagues. Yes, and you know he he responds. He always responds. Like when I you know reached out to you, you know you responded right away, and I love that. You know, um, and it's it's very good that we have people like you out there who are very educational who. Um, are just so supportive to all the people that you know want to learn more. So really appreciate you for that. So thank you so much for joining. I, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your your knowledge and your value. And you know, um, I just can't wait to learn more about this book that you have coming out and just to watch you on Instagram and see what you're up to. <laughs> Super exciting stuff. Yeah, so, my pleasure. Yes. So, and he is a very passionate person and passion that I appreciate, you know, the energy that people like you bring to, you know, the world, because it just is inspired. If it can inspire those of you out there to find what it is you're passionate about, you know, that is just so important in this world now, especially after what we all have been through in 2020. <laughs> so thank you so much, Dr. Uchi, really appreciate you. And, um, I can't wait to engage with you more in the future, you know, with all your teachings that you have to come. Hopefully I can see you at Hinman, Hinman again, if it, come, if it becomes live and not virtual. No, no, I'm there. I think I'm at, is that members only night in January? I'm doing, I am the guy. Like there'll be, oh. be surrounded by beluga whales and whatever. I'm not sure what kind of sea creatures they have, but in that huge room, it's dinner and a movie. I'm the movie. So it'll oh be my two God, hours of, uh, yeah. January 17th and 19th. That'll be in 2022. But also I'll be at Hinman in March. So I'll be in Atlanta doing, I think, four or five programs. And that, that reminds me, I got I to gotta, um, add in or upload my program titles. So, um, so I'll be in Atlanta for sure twice uh, between January and March next year. Awesome. That's good to hear. I will definitely be signing up. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Uchi. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, their passion, and their pursuit toward happiness. If you haven't already subscribed, hit that subscribe button and the like, and you know, then the bell so you can be notified every single time we have a new story out here to inspire you. So until next time, you all be passionate. <laughs>